0: Good morning. How are we doing today? I, I heard somebody, I heard one person back here say good. So that's fantastic. Good. Hi there. My name is Kevin Cornado. I'm one of the pastors here at River City Church. It feels kind of good to say River City Church because uh, four months ago when I first met Pastor Alex, it was still Lawrence Free Methodist. Last week it was still Lawrence Free Methodist. And so, I don't know, I'm just, I'm going to taken the fact that it's River City Church just for okay like I said I'm one of the pastors here and like Pastor Doug said uh, if you are visiting us this morning you are a very special guest and we do want to make you feel that way uh, if you have any questions any, any comments any concerns whatever uh, please grab one of us please grab one of the uh, greeters in the back write something down on a connection card let us know we want to make you feel welcome And so besides uh, being the next-gen pastor here, I also have the privilege of bringing you this morning's message. So I'm I'm actually really excited about that. I I love preaching. Um, And we're starting off our Advent season, and uh, I've been been walking through the story of Christmas with a youth group, and I actually love uh, walking through the Christmas story every single year. And... um, this year, just, just because I love tradition is, is basically what it comes down to, but this year I decided to do something different in the youth group. Uh, I'm looking at the Christmas story with the youth group kind of from a historical angle. So what does it mean that Jesus had these different people in his lineage? What does it mean that uh, he came from, he was born in this specific place? What does it mean that uh, God told the shepherds first uh, that the, the son had been born <clears throat> and so I'm really excited that we're going we're going to kind of do the same thing this morning. Uh, and and what we're going to be doing this this month is going through the book of Isaiah and looking at the prophecies that God gives us uh, that Isaiah gives us with regards to the Savior, with regards to the Messiah. So this morning we're going to be in Isaiah chapter seven, um, but before you turn there I I like to tell stories Um, if you were at uh, at my very first Wednesday night here I spent probably about an hour hour and a half just telling stories I promise I'm not going to take that long this morning but I want to tell you guys I want to tell you all a little bit about myself and so three years ago it's 2019 so I'm going to say three and a half years ago Uh, I was a financial advisor. I worked for a pretty large uh, nationwide firm. They have offices. uh, Actually, there's an office in Kansas City and an office in Topeka. Uh, I know a couple of the advisors there. And I was a financial advisor. That was my job right out of college. uh, And I was pretty good at it. And uh, I was so good at it, in fact, that a friend of mine, he called me up one day, and he said, hey, Kevin, uh, I started a, a small firm, a boutique firm, and I want you to come on uh, to the practice as a partner. And I said, oh, well, what does that entail? And, and we spent a couple months talking back and forth. And eventually, I left my very large, uh, uh, very well-funded firm for this very small practice of maybe 12 advisors. And I was one of three partners uh, on at the firm. And pretty quickly, I, I discovered that I wasn't a, a right culture fit for the practice. Uh, so my friend, the owner of this firm, um, he wanted a very cutthroat, uh, very, um, I'm going to say non-ethical practice, something that I as a Christian as, and as a husband and as a father, I wasn't okay with, but I was making good money and I liked what I was doing and so I, I just kind of bit the bullet. And went along with. I uh, didn't go along with it, but I just ignored them while they went out and and did their thing, and I stayed and I worked and I did my thing. And then, at the time, uh, my wife was expecting our second son, and um, it was a pretty exciting time. The future looked good, and um, I had a lot of prospects ahead of me. And then one day, actually, it's going to be the third year anniversary. In two days, so Tuesday, and I think it was a Tuesday actually, now that I'm thinking about it. One day in December, uh, the owner, my friend, I thought, comes into my office and says, Kevin, you don't fit in with this company. You don't fit in with this culture. I don't like you. I want your keys on my desk by the end of the day. And I said, okay. I mean, what are you going to say to that? Right? <clears throat> and what started was this period of nine months where where I was searching for something. You see, I had been in ministry bivocationally for about six years at this point. I had been working in the church while also going to school and then working in the church while being a financial advisor. And I didn't want to leave this world, this this financial advising world behind. I didn't want to go into ministry full-time, but but God put a hard stop to that. And he said you're not going to go back into finance. And so, like I said, what began was these nine months where, where I was just searching. I was just looking for, for something. I was trying to, to figure out what it was that God wanted me to do. I knew what he wanted me to do. I was hoping that that wasn't what he wanted me to do. But I knew what he wanted me to do already and I was trying to resist that. And essentially what started was these nine months of of just this, um, you know, I'll, I'll admit there, there was, uh, I fell into depression there. There was, uh, there was a, a long period of time where my, my biggest worry was where am I, how am I going to put food on the table? My wife, my wife didn't work. Um, and like I said, she was pregnant with our second son. He was born in April and I was still out of a job. And, and I didn't know what to do. And that's kind of where we find ourselves this morning. Like I said, we're in Isaiah chapter 7. And we're looking at the kingdom of Israel. And at this point, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of history. At this point, in the nation of Israel, the nation has split up into two parts. There's the southern kingdom, which is ten tribes that came together. And uh, they, they didn't really follow God. And then there's the northern kingdom, which is called Judah. And they also didn't follow god but they followed him a little better um so so there's the northern kingdom which is judah there's the southern kingdom which is israel and that's where we are at this point in time and along comes this king his name is ahaz and he finds out that the southern kingdom which isaiah describes as the tribe of ephraim which is also my son's name by the way no relation The southern southern kingdom, Isaiah calls it uh, Ephraim, is conspiring with Syria, which is to the north of Judah. So you've got, right, you're, you're picturing this with me. There's Syria, there's Judah right in the middle, and then there's the southern kingdom, there's Ephraim. And Judah, the middle kingdom, finds out that Syria and Ephraim are conspiring against it. And actually, Isaiah tells us that these two uh, uh, bordering nations, they rose up an army, and they marched to the gates of Jerusalem. And so let's read. And we're going we're to read a little bit of a, a long passage to start off with. But I'll explain it. Don't worry. It says, In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Ziah, the, the king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but cannot yet mount an attack against it. So it says, in the days of Ahaz, right, go, go back to that last slide. In the days of Ahaz, and it says who he's the son of and everything, it says the king of Syria and the king of Israel came to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but they couldn't mount an attack yet, okay? So the armies are at the gates, but they can't make their way in yet, okay? Let's, let's keep going. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, that's the southern kingdom, The heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. Go ahead. And the Lord said to Isaiah, go out to meet Ahaz, you and Sherejah, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field. Go ahead. And say to him, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands. At the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Remaliah. Because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah has devised evil against you. Next slide. Say, uh, next slide. Has devised evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and terrify it, and let us conquer it for ourselves, and set up the son of Tabeel as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord God. It shall not stand and it shall not come to pass. Go ahead. For the head of Syria is Damascus and the head of Damascus is Rezin and within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people and the head of Ephraim is Samaria and the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all and that's the first nine verses of that. And so it's a really interesting contrast that we have here. We have Ahaz, the king of Judah, who is trembling in fear. Okay? And and I, I'm reading this whole passage to you to help you understand exactly what's going on. Because I sure hope that no one in this room ever has two countries at our doorstep ready to go to war against us. Either something has gone very wrong in your life or very correctly in your life if you have two countries coming to war against you. <laughs> I know I don't want that to happen. Um, but the point is, we know exactly what's going on. We know exactly what it is that is against Ahaz and against the, the kingdom of Judah. And the first thing that God says to them is, don't be afraid. Don't, don't worry about this. And God says that a lot in the Bible. He, he'll say, do not be afraid. And he'll always follow it up with a promise. He'll say, do not be afraid, for I am the Lord your God is, I think, the most popular Uh, a version of that that God gives in the Bible. But in this case, he gives an example. He he actually gives a specific example. He says, do not be afraid, do not fear, for within 65 years, Ephraim, the southern kingdom, will be no more. And God's saying to Ahaz, don't be afraid because you're not going to have to worry about this in a few years. What they're trying to do is not going to happen. And so that's you guys can see the, the first point, the first thing that I want you to remember and write down this morning, do not fear. You see, when when I was in this period of time looking for a job, uh, I would say that the year 2017, because this was, I lost my job at the end of 2016, going into 2017, right? So 2017, if I had to characterize it in a word, it would be fear. Because the first eight, nine months of the year, I spent afraid that I wasn't going to be able to pay the bills, and by God's grace, we paid the bills, and I'll explain more about that in a second. But then the last third, the last quarter of the year, I spent living despite that fear, I would say. I I spent living out of that fear, knowing that God had my back, knowing that God was protecting me. And so, these first, this first part of the year, God was telling me, "Do not be afraid. Do not fear. This will pass. I've got you. I've got your back." And and sometimes that came in the form of. Um, I remember one time, the church that we were that we were going to. I wasn't serving there. I wasn't on staff. Uh, we were just attending there, and our small group. Uh, but took up a collection, took up an offering uh, for us and at the end of our small group one night um, leader said, hey before we dismiss, Kevin and Jackie, I just just want to let you guys know that you know, we've been praying for you and uh, we, we just kind of texted everybody, we called around uh, just the people in this room and, and he handed me an envelope and he said and we came up with this offering for you guys and in it was a few thousand dollars and he said, it's just a small offering. I'm like, this is not a small offering. <laughs> and God was telling me, do not be afraid. I remember another time uh, I, was, I was talking to my wife saying, we've got absolutely no money left. Uh, and, and we need to get milk for, for our oldest boy. Uh, he was drinking whole milk at the time. And, and we need to get diapers for both of our boys. This was probably probably late April, early May. And, um, and I told her, I'm, I'm gonna call my dad and I'm gonna ask him for money. I, I, I don't wanna do it, but that's the only thing that we can do. And I kid you not, I'm about to pick up the phone when I hear a knock on the door. And so I go and open up and it's a friend. It's just a friend who doesn't even live near us. Uh, doesn't come by our neighborhood at all often ever and she says hey you know i was i was just at walmart and um god just god just put you guys on my heart and so i picked up some diapers and i picked up some milk for you guys and i don't even know what size the boys are but here and she hands me the exact sizes that our two boys were she said i just guessed and and here's here's two gallons of milk and i just i just want to drop that off for you guys and before i even had a chance to say bye she said okay so i'll see you later bye and she just left And that was God telling me, do not fear. And I've got so many more stories like that, and I know all of us do too. And so that's the first thing that I think God is telling us today. Let's keep reading. We'll see see the second thing here. Again, the Lord said to Ahaz, so this is in verse 10, right? Right after God finishes telling all the things that are not going to happen with the kingdom. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God, let it be as deep as shoal or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. That sounds like a really holy response, doesn't it? I mean, Jesus even says something like that in Matthew after his uh, 40 days in the wilderness. Satan comes and and tempts him. And then Jesus responds by saying, no, the, the scriptures say you will not put your Lord to the test. But here's the difference between Ahaz and Jesus. Jesus was perfect. Jesus was the son of God. Ahaz had absolutely no faith in God. We see in, in the book of Second Kings that Ahaz is trying to play this political game and he's trying to outmaneuver his enemies. He's trying to uh, uh, make Israel, Ephraim, work against Syria. He's trying, he's trying to do all of this on his own power. But the Lord says, ask for a sign. And when I was in these nine months, I wasn't asking for a sign. I knew that God wanted me to go into ministry full-time, and, and so I, I made up my resume. I uh, sent it to a couple of pastors that I knew, couple of friends that I had and and I asked around and after a couple of weeks I gave up on that. I literally just gave up on that. And uh, I started applying to secular jobs. And what happened in this time was nobody called me back. And I'm sure some of you can relate with me. It's really disheartening to send out literally hundreds of resumes and nobody calls you back. I was sending out maybe 50 resumes a day for I'll say seven months, eight months. And actually, that's a lie. I got two, two callbacks. One was a church. One was a, a secular company, another, another financial firm. And so what happened was uh, I had a video interview with the church. I had a phone interview with the company. Then the church flew me out. Um, yeah, they flew me out, and, and I spent a week with them. And then I had an in-person interview with the financial firm. And while the church was kind of thinking about it, is what they told me. Weighing their options actually is what they told me. Um, I had a a second in-person interview with the financial firm and then a fourth, uh, or I guess a third in-person interview, fourth interview total with the office manager, uh, the district manager in, in Houston. And I get out of this fourth interview. It's been maybe a month and a half since I hear from the church, and within a couple of days of getting out from uh, of this last interview, this fourth interview, I get a call back from the recruiter, and he says, "Hey, so they're they're kind of still talking about it, but I think you've got it. The way they're talking about it, they're not they're not talking about who to hire. They're talking about how much to offer you and." somebody who's been out of a job for a while, that that's great news. They want to know how much they can pay me. <laughs> and um, I still hadn't heard from the church, and I knew that God was pulling me to the church. And I asked my wife one day, I said, what do I do? They're, they're going to offer me the job. Within the week, they're going to offer me the job. And, and yeah, a couple days later, I I was sent an offer letter, a really generous offer letter. And I told her, what... What do I do here? What, do I wait around for the church? Do I tell the, the firm to just hang on? And, and she said to me, uh, husbands, you, you probably know this, your wife usually, or God usually sounds like your wife, right? She's usually speaking a little bit of wisdom into your life. And she says to me, if you know that you're supposed to go into ministry full time, why are you even looking at a secular company. And I said, okay, point, point driven, I got you. So I got the offer letter, I called up the district manager, I said, hey, this is really generous, but I'm going to have to decline. Within 24 hours, the church had called me back and said, hey, we want to offer you the job. We want you to come back out, um, and, and we want to meet your wife, but you're the guy. And so I want... I want you guys to pay attention to what God says to Ahaz in verse 10. He says, ask the Lord your God for a sign. That's what God asks us today. He tells us today. He says, ask for a sign. It's hard to do. Because we want to be able to control it. I know that, that when... When I was in that position, I didn't want to ask for a sign because what if God said, no, this isn't it, and I'd already rejected this other offer, and then I'm, I'm up in the air again. I know whenever, uh, whenever I pray for people who are sick, my grandfather has had cancer twice. Uh, the first time, uh, they, they, they went in, they biopsied it. They said, it's, it's a huge mass, we have to remove it right now, and when they went in, it was... A third a quarter of the size they thought it was, so that's really good they didn't have to do any chemo or anything six months later he gets they find cancer again, and so we start praying and I'm sure you you guys can can uh, attest to this my my prayers for healing, and i've seen miraculous healing happen, but my prayers for healing are always God. if you can, possibly maybe probably, could you please, maybe please, would you do this for me? I beg you. But that's not asking for a sign. We're not being apologetic. That's that's being like Ahaz, and I'm speaking for myself here. To me, that's being like Ahaz, saying, no, I will not ask the Lord your God, the Lord my God, for a sign. God says, I will do all things. Jesus says, ask and you shall find. Jesus says the faith of a mustard seed can move mountains and still I sit here and I go God maybe if it's in your will could you probably possibly maybe please just do this one tiny little thing for me just this one time please but God says ask for a sign and that's what he says to Ahaz that's what he says to us today so I want to read this last passage for you here because we're going to see how God responds and he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too litter, little for you? And uh, it's, it's Isaiah talking here. So, and Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. He says, If you're not going to ask him for a sign, he's going to give you one anyway. And he says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. So I want you guys to, to look at this passage with me real quick. And we're almost done, I promise. But I want you to to look at this passage with me real quick because God says, Isaiah comes along and says, okay, you know what, you don't want to ask God for a sign, that's fine because God says that he's going to give you a sign anyway. And then he gives Ahaz two promises. The second one, I'll say, is he says, by the time a boy is old enough to refuse evil and choose good, This land will be deserted. And we can see in history that about three or four years after this was written, Syria was taken over by the kingdom of Assyria. Those are two different kingdoms, all right? The the superpower Assyria took over Syria. Within about a generation or two, Assyria took over Israel, took over Ephraim. And speaking of Ephraim, my son Ephraim is four years old, and um he is he is old enough if if you if you ever take care of him in children's ministry god bless you because he is old enough to choose to to know the difference between good and evil and he still chooses to to do evil he knows he's not supposed to grab that candy and he's going to look at you and kind of just reach in just real slowly but i the first thing that isaiah says is, is, or the second thing that Isaiah says is you're not going to have to worry about this anymore. So he says, since you won't ask God for a sign, God will give you a sign. Here's the thing that you, want to, that you want done right now. Here's your immediate concern right now. God said that he is going to take care of that. He's going to take it away. Don't even think about it. Don't worry about it. But he's also got something better. He says, God will give you the Messiah. God will give you a child, and his name will be God with us. And so the third thing I want you guys to remember today is this. Trust in God. God always has something better for us than we can imagine. Because I think if Ahaz had asked for a sign of God, Ahaz would have said, God, would you please just take these these two kingdoms away, and God would have done it. I mean, God did do it, and Ahaz didn't ask. But God had something so much better for Ahaz. God had something so much better for the kingdom of Judah. God has something so much better for us. I spent those nine months back in 2017, those eight months back in 2017, looking for a job. What I found was an affirmation what I found was confirmation what I found was a calling it doesn't matter what job I have I came out of uh, that church and if you're in the youth group if if, if you're downstairs enough you might hear me talking about that church a little bit I talk about it plenty with, with Pastor Alex and the rest of the staff but I can't, if, if nothing else, I came out of that church being fully reaffirmed, fully affirmed in the fact that God had a better calling on my life than just making some money in this life and moving on. The kingdom of Judah had a better calling than simply defeating these two neighboring countries and moving on with their lives. Because that's the thing. God doesn't doesn't wait for us. God doesn't wait till we're we're on good terms with him. God doesn't wait till, till we're ready to to apologize. God doesn't ready doesn't wait till we're ready to admit that we're wrong. God sent the Messiah. God sent the savior despite the fact Paul says that we were still sinning. Despite the fact that we didn't know what right from wrong. Despite the fact that we didn't even know that we needed a Savior. Because we can see in history, and Isaiah says all this, and the people just blow him off. And the people come up with their own ideas of what the Messiah should look like, of what the Messiah should do, of what the Messiah should come and conquer. Part of why they didn't want to believe that Jesus was the Messiah was because he wasn't a conquering king. But Jesus is a better Savior than anything we could imagine. And God says, just trust in me. Just let me do what I'm going to do and just trust in me. Because that's what Christmas is about. That right there is what it's all about. I've been doing this with a youth group, and Christmas isn't a lot of things. It's not the trees as, as pretty as they are. It's not the snow as much as it is covering the ground outside. By the way, it's snowing. It's not a, It's not even about, about family getting together. But Christmas isn't just about one thing. It's, it's about Jesus, right? And he is the center point of it but it's about what that represents. And today I want you guys, if you you walk out of here, if you're already thinking about what you're going to get for brunch, that's fine. I just want you guys to remember this. God gives us hope in the darkness. When I was out of a job, and he said, Do not fear. Ask me for a sign. Just trust me. When my grandfather was battling cancer for the second time and god said do not fear ask for a sign just trust me which I, I don't think i finished that story uh he he goes back in my grandfather he goes back in he gets a biopsy this is about 10 years ago now he gets a biopsy and uh then he, then he gets a scan and his doctor says it's stage four He's got months to live. He might be able to make it. It's not particularly aggressive, but um, we have to operate right now, or he's not going to, or he's not going to make it. He doesn't even have a chance. So they schedule the operation. My grandfather goes back in a week later, and a week later they open him up, and doctor goes. He comes back out thirty minutes after surgery was supposed to start, he comes back out and he says to my mom, my grandmother we don't know what happened there's nothing there this thing was the size of a melon this thing looked like it was spreading to other organs and there's nothing there and God says just trust in me God gives us hope in the darkness and so I'm going to do one last thing, and I promise with this I'm done. I promise, I promise. But I do this with the youth group. Um, I do this with the youth group. I, I give them a challenge, just something small, a baby step that they can take. We all want to run a marathon, but we can't all just get up and, and run, what is it, 20, 26 kilometers? I don't, I don't even know how long it is. That's how far from running a marathon I am. <laughs> but I know that if I want to run a marathon... In a year, I need to start by taking a baby step today, right? So here's a baby step that I want you to take. For the next 25 days, from here until Christmas, I want you all to just 30 seconds before you go to bed, 30 seconds after you wake up, whenever you have time, thank God for that hope thank God that he gives us hope in the darkness, no matter what our circumstances we still have hope in him and I know I know that if we do that, every single day, for the next 25 days our lives are going to be changed and we are going to look at things differently and we're going to be able to see the way that God works in a different light you guys with me? let's pray Heavenly Father, thank you for the time that we've had here. Thank you for uh, just everything that you give us and bless us with. Thank you because you do give us hope in the darkness. Because you sent that Savior. Thank you for everything that you bless us with. In Jesus' name, amen.